This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And as I have already mentioned, we are now currently in a brand new series on heaven. Today's message is the second sermon in that series. And I'm going to be speaking today on the subject, the beauty of heaven. And as I prepared these messages several months ago, when I got to this particular one, I was praying that God would allow me through his word to share with you something today that probably you have not come across before just in general Bible study. And so that's my prayer today that not only would you be fed the word of God, but that your hearts would be stirred and encouraged in the faith. I want you to notice with me now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1, and the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. The beauty of heaven. Without question, the Bible declares that every person that has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, are all going to heaven. All of us who know the Lord Jesus as our Savior, when it's our time to leave this life, that's exactly where we're going. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. So let me ask you this question today. Have you really, truly received Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. Can you say that with 100% assurance? Let me ask you this question. Are you on your way to heaven? Heaven is a place that everybody in their right mind wants to go to. I have only met two people in my entire life that has actually spoke the words to me In a witnessing conversation I had with them, only two individuals, and I've been preaching the gospel for over 30 years, and I have only met two people in my entire life that actually said to me when being presented the gospel that they actually wanted to die and go to hell. It is my opinion that only a depraved, demon-possessed individual could utter words like that. 
Almost everybody wants to go to heaven. I believe that heaven is a subject that creates enormous amount of interest and curiosity in our hearts. Heaven is a subject that makes us dream. Heaven is a subject that makes us read. Heaven is a subject that causes people to want to sit down and write poems about. Heaven is a subject that inspires the songwriter to write songs. Sometimes we hear about near-death experiences and some people even talk about dying and coming back to life and they say that they had been privileged to see heaven. People who, who claim that this experience has happened to them, they, they write books about it or they, they give interviews about it. Sometimes they appear on talk shows and they give a first-hand experience about what it was like to die and to go to heaven and come back. But I want to point out something to you today in the scriptures. First of all, the apostle Paul said that he himself had an experience like that. But as we read about his account of what happened to him, it's quite different and opposite of what some people say today that has happened to them. While others have been very descriptive about what they saw, people say sometimes when they have these experiences, they give spectacular details and they say that they were ushered into heaven and they they saw God and they had long conversations with him. And Jesus had caressed them and gently took them into his bosom. And for some reason, he sent them back. But I want to emphasize to you today that the greatest preacher outside of Jesus Christ himself, who I believe was the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said that it was forbidden to speak about it. Now, I want you to think about that just for a minute. In fact, there's another passage of Scripture. If you would look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to go to verse number 9. There's another passage about this, and we've already been in reference to this in our subject already, but I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. Again, the apostle Paul is writing and he says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, what these verses are talking about what these scriptures are saying is this, that even though the Bible has a lot to say about heaven, it only scratches the surface when we really think about it. I mean, we do not have the ability, the full ability of understanding or knowing the in-depth 
description or the in-depth beauty of such a place. And is it any wonder when you think about that just for a moment? I mean, how in the world can our finite minds put together in words, fully comprehend and express in our frail human tongue to describe such an eternal place? Without question, as I look over this great congregation filled from wall to wall, most everybody in the sanctuary today has thought about heaven many times, and rightly so. You've thought about heaven because God is there. You've thought about heaven because the people of the Bible are there. Sister Cindy sang so well just a moment ago. I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You think about heaven because people of the Bible are there. You oftentimes think about heaven because you have friends and loved ones who are there. And you think about heaven a lot because as a believer, as a born-again, blood-washed Christian, you yourself are going there. And so there are a lot of reasons why it causes you to meditate about heaven and to think about it. Perhaps some of you have wondered things like this. What is heaven really like? Teresa just sang a moment ago the beautiful song about heaven. Maybe you've wondered, what is heaven really like? Or maybe you have wondered this, where exactly is heaven? Wow, that's an amazing thought, but a more amazing question. And this morning, I want to try to answer at least both of those, if not other questions for you in the message today. I want you to look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 2. Again, the Apostle Paul is speaking and he says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up into the third heaven. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline those two words in your Bible, third heaven. Paul said that he was caught up into the third heaven. So here's the thing this morning. The Bible clearly teaches us that there are three heavens. If he was caught up into the third heaven, there has to be a second heaven and a first heaven. Now let me help you a little this morning understanding about the third heaven. But to get there, we have to talk a little bit about the first heaven and the second heaven. So turn your Bibles quickly, if you can, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. And again, I have these scriptures listed in the sermon note reference of your bulletin today. And if you cannot get there quickly, you can go back at home and reference these in your leisure. But the prophet Isaiah speaks about the first heaven in the atmospheric sphere. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 9, the Bible says, For as the heavens, now I want you to notice that is a plural reference. It's not a singular reference. It doesn't say heaven. 
If you look at it correctly, it says heavens. It's a plural word meaning more than one. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now, when you study the realms and ramifications of the first heaven, you know that it extends, you will find out that it extends six to seven miles above the earth. This first heaven. That's the atmosphere, that's the domain where the birds fly and from where the rain falls from the first heaven. Now the second heaven is what is called the stellar heaven. And you can go back with me to Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible. And I want you to see this beginning in verse number 14. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 14. The Bible says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament above the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. So here's the thing. The second heaven is out in the realm of space. We can see the first heaven where birds fly and where rain falls. The second heaven is in the sphere of outer space. It's in the sphere of darkness. This is amazing. Follow along with me. The second heaven is where the sun, the moon, and the stars are located. In the darkness of space. Now, the third heaven, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 again. I want to reread this verse. We've read it three times. I want you to see it again. The third heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it's not lawful for a man to utter. So here's the thing that I want you to understand. The first heaven is in the sphere of daylight where the birds fly, where the rain falls. The second heaven is in the sphere of darkness in space where the sun, the moon, and the stars are located. 
Now, you've got to think this through, but I hope that you will. If you do, it will bless you. Understanding that, then we can say it like this. The first heaven we see by day. The second heaven we see by night. And the third heaven we see by faith. Does that bless you? There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. You see, the mind of man has been able to figure out ways to send rocket ships and space shuttles into places that will take men into the first heaven and take them into the second heaven. But only the blood of Jesus can take you into the third heaven. Now exactly where is the third heaven? Exactly where is this eternal dwelling place of God? Well, we have to draw the best conclusions from what the Bible says. Now, this is an amazing study, and some of you may already know this, and some of you may be hearing this for the very first time. But I want you to look again. This is repetitious teaching this morning, but it's important. I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. All right? The third heaven. The dwelling place of God. The apostle Paul says is the third heaven. Now I'm going to give you some quick verses to go to. You might just want to reference them and go back and read them again. But in John chapter 17, verse number 1, Jesus himself gives us a compass about heaven. In John chapter 17, verse number 1, Jesus said this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Now here's what Jesus did. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes. Where is heaven? Jesus gave us a directional map. He gave us a compass. He looked up. Now not only that, in his ascension back to the Father, even the angels confirmed that. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11, we find these words. And these are part of some of the most amazing words in Scripture. Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended back to the Father. And in that ascension, in Acts chapter 111, the angel said, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up? Do you see that? Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So here's the thing this morning. You say, well, preacher, everybody knows that heaven is up. Well, you've seen it in the word of God. 
that confirms that. But I want you to know this. Heaven is not only up, but it is also located up in the north. You say, preacher, I've never heard that in my life. Good. I hope you leave here today being fed the word of God. Amen. Some of this mystery is revealed to us in the Old Testament. Go back to Psalms chapter 75 with me real quickly. And so you're saying, preacher, you're, you're telling me something this morning I've never heard in my life. You follow along with me. Heaven is up. But I believe we can pinpoint it a little better than that to the sides of the north. In Psalms chapter 75 and verse number 6, look at this carefully. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He put it down one and set it up another. Now, if you look carefully at those scriptures, the only direction that is left out is the north. Do you see that? If the Bible says that not the east, not the west or the south, verse 7 is indicating that he's in the north. Do you see that? Now, there's probably a better passage for me to give you than that because you really have to put your thinking cap on to see it. But there is a passage of Scripture that I believe that makes it as clear as the light of day. In Isaiah chapter 14, I want you to turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 14, this is the account in the Scriptures of how Satan wanted to overthrow God. He wanted to be like the Most High. You've read that scripture many, many times. It was the devil's goal and desire to occupy the throne of God. And this is what the prophet says in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse number 13. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Do you see that? Now you think about that. The devil is saying this. I want to be like the most high. I will exalt my throne above your throne. I want to sit and reign in the sides of the north. Now you think about it. Now... Always, and this is very common knowledge, that always the north is referred to being up. North is a fixed position no matter where you are on this earth. So how far up and how far north is heaven? Preacher, you're getting, you're getting really with... You're really stretching this thing now. How far up and how far north is heaven? Well, scientists say that they can see planets way out in the universe like Pluto. But even with those telescopes and seeing the planet 
Pluto. They cannot see the holy city. They say they can see what is called the Alpha Centauri. A place where there are two suns 26 times bigger and brighter than our sun. And yet they cannot see the holy city of heaven. They say they can see past with modern technologies and huge telescopes. They say that they can see past the polar star. Yet, they still cannot see heaven. But dear friend, listen. The Bible says that heaven is up. Where God is dwelling, it's in the sides of the north. And what seems to be so far away, yet God's word teaches us that heaven is so unbelievably close. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, verse 55. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 7. You see, here's the thing that I want you to understand this morning. Heaven seems to be so far away, yet with God it's unbelievably close. Close enough for the angel to come down and roll the stone away from resurrection morning. In Acts chapter 7, verse 55, it was close enough for Stephen to say, As he was being stoned to death, notice, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Heaven is so far yet close enough that when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus at the Jordan, he said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove upon him. So the truth of the matter is this. Heaven is far closer than we could ever imagine. Now this may be a little confusing, so please pay really close attention here because I want to bring out something about heaven that this is the second thing you may not have thought about, maybe have not had much study or knowledge about, but the New Jerusalem as we read about in the scriptures and turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. The new Jerusalem, which is the holy city of God. Here's what I want you to understand today. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, is not synonymous with heaven. You say, what are you talking about? In Revelation chapter 21, notice with me in verse number 1. And this is John the Revelator writing. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Do you see that? The holy city, John said, I saw coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. Without question, God the Father will allow the holy city, the new Jerusalem, I believe, to be the capital city, so to speak, of heaven throughout all eternity. 
But the new Jerusalem, the holy city, is not heaven. The new Jerusalem, the holy city, is the city that comes down out of heaven. Jesus called the new Jerusalem the city of God. Notice this in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. So here's the thing that I want you to understand today. We read the scriptures in John 14 where Jesus said this, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe also in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. The place that Jesus is preparing today is the holy city, the new Jerusalem. During the millennium, the 1,000-year reign of Christ, according to the scriptures, the new Jerusalem, as it comes down out of heaven, will hover over the earth. It will be suspended between the earth and heaven. And then after the millennium, in the eternal state, the new Jerusalem will rest upon the new renovated earth forever. The word of God said, I saw a new heaven and, the new, and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. You see, you have to remember this, that John said, I saw the holy city coming down. Now I want to share something amazing with you. Look with me, if you will, in Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse number 10. While you're turning, I want to share with you again that tonight we're having a blind man sing and play this piano. My son Adam was having a conversation with my granddaughter Madison the other day about Gordon Moat being blind all of his life. And as he was describing to her the talent that God has blessed this man with, unbelievable talent. I don't even know how a person could put their hands on the keys and play unbelievably blind. And so my son Adam was explaining to Madison that Gordon Moat was born blind and he has never seen the light of day. And she asked him this question, do you mean he has never seen anything? And he said, that's right. He has never seen anything. And she said this, seven years old. Then that means that when he goes to heaven, the first thing he will see is Jesus. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Glory to God. A seven-year-old can do the math on that. If walls there weren't Jasper, and streets weren't of gold. And if mansions would crumble and folks still grew old, still I'd see everything my soul longs to see. For Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me.
I want you to see this now. Some of you know it's in the Bible. Maybe you've skimmed over it. But let me just give you a little description about the holy city. In Revelation chapter 21, verse number 10, John is speaking and he says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven. You see, the holy Jerusalem, the the city, the new city, the holy city of God, is the city in heaven which God will allow one day to come out and to descend. That great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven. Verse 11, having the glory of God and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a great wall, or a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he talked. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. Now let me give you something to think about today. John said that he was given a golden reed to measure the city. All right, I want to give you some dimensions on the holy city. The Bible says in verse 16, and the city lieth four square. That's the first mathematical issue we take into consideration this morning. The city that lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Now, the dimensions of the New Jerusalem is 12,000 furlongs. One furlong is 582 feet. You multiply 582 feet by the 12,000 furlongs. You divide that by 5,280 in the mile, and you get 1,500 miles, four square. Wow. The dimension. Of this holy city, the New Jerusalem, 1,500 miles, four square, 12 foundations. In verse 17, and he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. Now, a cubit, now you think about this, when you do the math on this, that means this, that the walls of this city, the holy Jerusalem, 1,500 miles, four square. The wall is 216 feet thick. Wow. And the building of the wall of it was as jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chaldoni, and the fourth emerald, the fifth sardinox, the sixth sardius, the seventh chastrolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh jasoneth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street, notice this now, I know that sometimes we talk about when my feet touches the streets of gold. 
But again, it's imperative that you look at the scripture carefully. The Bible does not say streets in the plural. It says street. You look here and the street of the city was pure gold as transparent glass. And then notice verse 22, and I saw no temple. You see, a temple is a place where we put God in and people go there to worship him. We sort of confine God to one place with a temple. John said this, I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. That means this, that in the new Jerusalem, in heaven, listen, God's not going to be confined to the north. God's going to be everywhere. Verse 23, in the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Is, no, is it any wonder? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And if he's the light of the world, he'll certainly be the light of the holy city. Amen. Verse 24, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen to this. The Bible says in God, shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I'm so thankful today. I look out across this congregation, and a lot of us today, just like me, having to wear these glasses. Some of you are on canes. Some are on walkers in the vestibule. Some had to take a pill to get up this morning. You might have to take one at lunchtime. You might have to take one to go to bed. Some of you have a heart condition. I don't know what your problem is. Some was telling me about kidney stones. Some were telling me about uh, uh, angina problems and all of these different kinds of things. I'm telling you this, that we're going to a place. We're fixing to go to a place where the, the Bible says this. There's going to be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. I'm telling you, cancer has to get out of the city. Thank God we will not need a doctor in heaven, drugs or medication, for he is the great physician. He will take care of us throughout all eternity. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want you to see this. There's only one sad thing about the beauty of heaven. And that's this, that not everyone will be there. You see, heaven is only possible for those who have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Teresa sang so well how beautiful heaven must be. Oh, I want to see. Look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the street of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Friend, listen. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you on your way? Paul said, eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, 
nor has it entered into the heart of man what the Father hath prepared for them that love him. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.